is up good people it's your host jordan malone of the midnight drop thanks so much for stopping by to a brand new episode of the midnight drop you got me coming in here with doing a review on godzilla versus king kong in a discussion with my big friend kennedy london say what's up kennedy what's good everybody what's good yeah man so with all that so with all that being said let's go ahead and get into it uh, Kennedy London is a big fan of the MonsterVerse, including with Godzilla and King Kong. And I thought it'd be right to have him come in with his own perspective regarding the whole universe and everything like that. So, with that being said, let's go in and get in some housekeeping rules. If you're new to the Midnight Drop or if you've been here before but you just don't know where to listen to the Midnight Drop, you can go ahead and listen to the podcast. We're all podcast or platform on SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, including my Instagram, 615 underscore chill, and at www.themidnightdrop.com. And soon to be YouTube once we get some stuff figured out. Plus, if you want to go ahead and give me any comments, concerns, considerations, or just critiques, or you just want to go ahead and rant at me, you can go ahead and DM me at my Instagram. Instagram page, or you can go ahead and email me at jordancammonoutlook.com. Again, that's jordancammon, C-A-M-M-O-N, at outlook.com. Also, be on the lookout for some new episodes with tomorrow going to be a retro review, and also on Thursday going to be a Midnight Drop Chill Hour episode with Anna and David Arnold talking about on the basis of some black psychology, including some things regarding the voter rights bill in the state of Georgia. Well, with all that being said, let's go ahead and get into this new episode. All righty then. So, all right, Kennedy, how you doing today, man? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, I'm just trying to make sure I graduate, bro. Well, first of all, I'm just trying to get out of school so I can have some time to relax afterwards because it is not fun right now, but we still keeping it pushing. Hell yeah, man. I can say the same thing. School's... Like we got, I got an email today regarding graduation and, uh, I think like our final exams and everything for us are around April 30th, right? Yeah, I think it's a week before everybody else because we, we, we have to get all of our things early so that they can get the graduation stuff in order. Yeah. Um, so, so they can get everybody clear. Yeah, I haven't checked the, I haven't checked the calendar in a while. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah. No, I, I haven't checked the calendar in I don't know how long. Shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I got an email today regarding it. I've been waiting on some new updates regarding graduation and what they were going to do, but I didn't know exactly how they were going to get things done. I know because we're kind of like in the pandemic, people are getting vaccinated. I figured like earlier in the week they were going to do something real special or something like that or something that's going to be real nice, but I don't know. I don't know. They go. They probably just fooling around. But they did talk about who our commencement speaker is. Who is it? Uh, yeah. Did you ever watch the movie Just Mercy? No, but I know about it. So that the person who's going to be our commencement speaker is the lawyer. I think the attorney who the movie was inspired by. Oh, uh, Brian Stevenson. Yeah, it's gonna be Brian Stevenson. He's gonna be part. He's gonna be a commencement speaker. Uh, honestly, like he sounds real cool, and he sounds like somebody that you can learn from in like a classroom setting. But like North Carolina and T, I'm kind of jealous of the uh, commencement speaker they got because they got Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us, and he's one of my favorite actors. So, oh, get it? But yeah, man. So, yeah, that's our commencement speaker, but we got graduation going on. But all that being said, you want to go ahead and share about it, your credentials and all that? I know you're kind of a badass on campus and stuff, being part of Maroon Tiger and stuff. So you want to go ahead and share some of your stuff with everybody? Credentials. You funny. <laughs> okay, so I am the arts and entertainment editor at the Maroon Tiger, which is the newspaper outlet at Morehouse College. I've been on the paper for three years, ever since my sophomore year, and every year I sort of gained a new position. So when I started out my sophomore year, I was a staff writer. Then junior year, I was the associate arts entertainment editor. And then this year, senior year, I was named the arts entertainment editor. But I, I've been 
I've been writing all three years. And, you know, I, funny backstory to that is my original major when I entered Morehouse was computer science. Mm-hmm. But after those first, after the first two programming tests, I, I quickly realized that it wasn't for me. <laughs> so I switched my major to English my freshman year. And sophomore year, that's when I joined the Maroon Tiger. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I do remember that whole computer science situation. It was like a group of people, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but like a group of people uh, in Morehouse came in as computer science majors freshman year or like dual degree engineering. And then I think by like that second semester freshman year or after freshman year, everybody had just changed their majors and just said, yeah, I'm doing this. And it was like a lot in the humanitarian humanities and also just like or like watered down versions of those like majors like computer science and dual degree engineering right yeah i've never failed a test that bad before like ever i've gotten a 50 on a test in what was that middle school but that first programming test i got a 15 out of 100 out of 100 and at that moment i was like yeah this is not going to work. This is, this is, this is not going to work. I called my mom. I called my mom after the second test. And I said, mom, I, I'm thinking about changing my major because this ain't going to work. So she was like, hey, so what are you thinking about? I was like, I thought I'd probably thinking about English. And I don't know when I found out about the Maroon Tiger, but I do remember I found out and I joined and I didn't get anything published that first semester, my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until early January of, of 2019 is when I got my review of If Bill Street Could Talk by Barry Jenkins. This is a great movie. Uh, we, we, we were just great movie. We were just launching the website for some reason. They just they just were getting a website at that point. They were just strictly paper it beforehand. And the editor-in-chief at the time, Jair Hilburn, he he asked me, um, uh, would you like to, you know, be a part of the first few articles that, you know, we put up on the paper? I was like, yeah. So I did a review. A lot of people liked it. And strange enough, that's, I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, that's probably like the highest view article on the paper. It's like, it's, it's well over a hundred K at least, at least that's what the website says. I really, I really don't understand who has seen it, but yeah, that was my first one. Mm-hmm. And after that, it, I just kept going. I wrote reviews for Ad Astra, Parasite, Joker, and I wrote some other articles as well, but really, uh, I started off writing film reviews, and then I I did some analysis pieces along the way as well. But yeah, I got my start with the Bill Street review, and steady building from there. And then my what was it? My junior year, I created a Medium page. And Medium, for those who don't know, that is Medium is just an outlet. You can write anything you want to, and you can put it in categories. And it's a it's a good platform to have another form of writing not tied to, say, like your school or things like that. Um, yeah, so I created that as well, and I started writing stuff on that too. I wrote a review for The Five Bloods from Spike Lee on there, which I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things like that. But yeah, it really all started when I failed those those programming <laughs> tests. That, that's that's when I knew. I was like, I was like, this ain't gonna work. Shit, all we I gotta find something else. And once, once we all fall down, we get back up. Listen, man, <laughs> I wasn't even mad. I wasn't even mad when I when I saw that fifteen. I was like, oh, this this is different. Yeah, because like usually um, when you fail a test, you're all usually when you fail a test, you're all distraught and and discouraged. But I saw that 15. I, I I don't even know if I reacted. I was like, oh okay, 
So I need to find another alternative. And then the confirmation was when I got a 23 on the second one, I was like, yep, time to go. <laughs> time, time, time to go. And let me ask it you. It's time to go. Let me ask you this. Was this, for after that first test, did you like do some stuff where like you went to uh, Club Woody and did like a whole bunch of studying and then that's when you got that 23 on that second test? Well, like I did better on the second test. Technically, I did, but I didn't do much better. <laughs> well, like a couple points. I studied. I, I really, I really, and I mean, we know Malik. Malik is the guy. Nuts. The guy. Malik is one. Yeah, one of the mo- one of the most talented in in the department. And I mean, I, he helped me with, with with a homework assignment one time. I felt like I felt like I was doing better, but. Mm-mm. That was that wasn't the case at all. So that's how I ended up on the paper because I changed my major and I I had to find an alternative route. No, and yeah. This so happens to be the route for me. And it seems like it's really paying off. And I'll I'll say this from somebody who's known you for since the beginning of school, since we started out as freshmen. Uh, you really did have a really good knack at reviewing films, reviewing TV shows and video games. And uh, whenever you came out with those posts on the Maroon Tiger, including with If Bill Street Could Talk, uh, I, I really thought it was a really well-sounded article and review uh, for a movie that was really good and really well-written that ended up, uh, I think, garnering some awards for like Best Supporting Actress for Regina King. And uh, when you just decided to just keep going and going and going, I was just really happy for you, man, from afar. And then I remember you had told me about how not a lot of stuff were getting published when you first were in the Maroon Tiger. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, I've known some people in there and most of those people, including yourself, are are very talented people. Um, Hopefully I can get like uh, another guy I know, Solomon, if you know this person, Solomon Enders on the show he could talk about some things regarding like you know his art his trip at the academy awards where he did an internship and everything but yeah for you man like you've done a whole lot and uh especially that conversation we had uh regarding warner brothers when you were able to meet some of the actors and actresses from the film and uh, actually just do a whole round table yeah that 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 was nuts just for the simple fact that Ron Thomas, the the head of the journalism department, he's one of two advisors over the Maroon Tiger. Uh, Dr. David Dennis is, is the other one. So at the end of last semester, I had called Dr. Thomas and I had told him essentially what I would like to do as far as what's the next step for writing about the film. And so... We had the conversation was about 30 minutes and we had come to the agreement. It's like, okay, if, if, if you have, if, and this is Ron talking, if I have anything, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll keep you in the loop. So lo and behold, when school starts this semester, the first week, he goes, Warner Buds doing a round table for Judas and Black Messiah. Oh. The, uh, Dan Kalu is going to, it's, it's virtual, of course. It was it was an HBCU roundtable as well. So it was Daniel Kaluuya, it was Lakeith Sainsfield, it was Dominic Fishback, and a few others. And they said, "Would you like to participate?" I was like, "Yeah, of course." I did it. Later that week, I had received. He had caught wind of a roundtable for coming to America, the sequel, mm-hmm. that, and that. it's it's going to be it's it's, it's going to be another roundtable. And Eddie, Eddie and Arsenio are going to be in it as well. Would you like to do it? I was like, yeah, I'm like, of course I'd like to do it. Talk, talk to those two? That's nuts. And then the cherry on top. So I did those two articles. Obviously, pe- pe- people were shocked, obviously, because I, I, I had given them no kind of indication that these were, were going to drop. I sort of dropped them out of surprise. The cherry on top is when Warner Brothers called the paper back early March and said, we enjoyed your Judas piece so much that we are extending an invitation to Gaza versus Kong for that round table. Mm-hmm. And, and we, I got a chance to ask 
Brian Tavi Henry, a Morehouse alum, a question. I told him Morehouse College, and he it, uh, just a big goofy smile crossed his face because, you know, Morehouse connection. Yeah. And so all 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 three of those all three of those articles, along with all the other articles that I've written for three years, uh, are on our website. It's maroon tigermedia.com is what the website is All right. and i'm 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 almost exclusively in the arts entertainment section so and that and that's big that's shit. how this that's how this whole that's that's big shit, shit. what <laughs> that's big shit very that was you know how shocked i was when thomas called me the first time it's oh yeah, uh, you gonna speak to Dan Cooley and Leaf Kit, huh? <laughs> I mean, the man's what? got connect. The man's got connections. I mean, I've known him from all of the like the little uh, talks that he gives around like sports writers and NBA players. He was able to get Vince Carter to come to Morehouse and talk to the whole campus and Shaquille O'Neal. And I was like, God damn! Yeah, that was shocking. But no, he 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 he's got the hookups. He definitely does, and he—he's the reason that I—I I got a chance to do these, do these uh, roundtables, and the the reason, and me doing the Judy's roundtable is how I end up getting the Godzilla versus Kong roundtable, and so it's it's just dominoes falling at this point. Yeah, man. I I, I will say this. Uh, I there was a there was a point where I did want to apply for the Maroon Tiger. Uh, doing movie reviews and doing sports shows, but uh, and then you know, and I told you this that there was a point where I wanted to try to get this podcast part of Maroon Tiger too, but the thing is, is that you know, number one, we're in a pandemic, like a whole panoramic right now, and I'm not even, I don't even feel like it'd be best for me to put this out there uh, to all those guys, especially while I'm still growing as a host. But second, in my mind, I really feel like I would have gotten fired. <laughs> From my movie reviews, <laughs> especially with, um, I just remember how like there are certain movies that uh, you guys would promote, or how other people would promote. Like you know how like when universe like Universal Morehouse AUC like the connection where like you go on and then the AUC cam is just like we got like free t- free hundred tickets for anybody who wants to go see this film and everything like that. Yep. Yeah, I. Yep. I know. There were there were two times where I saw like some movies. The first one was uh What Men Think by Taraji P. Henson. The other one was uh it was this movie with uh Michael Ely, uh Megan Good and uh uh Dennis Quaid, I believe. And it was that was the one where like Dennis Quaid was like the crazy oh, white guy. Oh that one. And I remember That's I, funny. I remember I went with somebody at the time to both those films and I both said, this is trash. And I just, and then, um, at the time, like I was just telling like some of my friends, Hey man, like I really want to go to Maroon Tiger. And they're just like, nah, if you, if you go in there, you're going to be too raw about the films. You're going to be like too rude about them. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm just like, and I go see those two movies and I'm like, yeah, I, I probably talk too much shit because, uh, the one with Dennis Quaid, that movie with uh Dennis Quaid, whoever that guy, um, that one was actually funded by Robert Frederick Smith, the the guy who came in as a commencement speaker, and paid off all of the loans of that graduating class that one time. And then what men think, uh, that movie actually was like in connection to like some scholarships that Morehouse, Spelman, and Clark were awarded to. So it's just like if I say something like that on AUC campus soil, then my ass would have been out of there. So I just kind of just took that and said, nah, I can't really do nothing. There, there was always a way to be constructive and, but yet honest. There's, there's always a way to do There's always a way to do it. Yeah. There Especially, is. And then, but you know, if usually, yeah. Usually, I said, usually the, the movies I reviewed for the Tiger are the movies, the movies I end up liking. Cause like I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna write about something I don't like at at, at least at that point. So just to mm-hmm. 
just to show people that uh, yeah, I, I can I can do this while while having fun with it, while showing I do enjoy film. That's that's what my whole thing was. But I mean, I wasn't interested in if if, if I had a sense that I was gonna like something, I was gonna review it. But no, that's a good way of looking at it. And like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a real good way of looking at it. But you've done a whole lot, man. And that's why I say, like, bust out your credentials because you you, you essentially want to, like, uh, a well-known person in the community uh, at Morehouse and at Spelman uh, for doing the things that you do. And honestly speaking, if there's somebody that I would need a really valuable opinion on certain movies or games or just TV shows or even anime or manga, I go to you. And uh, I feel like everybody... People that we know in, in, in the circle that we're in, the circles that we were in, uh, they they definitely knew that too, and they've praised the same thing in regards to your your direction and your key. And that's the craziest part about it too. Like like when I hear people like Clarkston, like he. You good? His beast that he yeah okay. He asked me an opinion about one of the beats that he made, and he he said, "I trust, I trust your ear or trust your opinion." Some along those lines, and I was just like, "It's crazy for me to hear something like that." It still is. It is. Yeah. Being honest here. Hey, it, it, when when you're when you're the person that people want to go to you for advice because they value your your opinion, that's when you know you you you're doing pretty good. That you're good at. Uh, the areas that you're in and and that's something to be really proud of yourself about and that's that's something i'm proud of you about man so yeah man it, that's why i wanted you on this show that's why i really really wanted you on this show man just to talk about this movie godzilla uh, versus king kong and also just give me your expertise regarding like the monster verse including some other things and uh yeah man i mean hey i i can praise as much as i want but we hey man I'd be up here all night. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on yeah. that. So, all right, man. All right. With all of the nuptials out of the way and getting all that together, let's go ahead and get into this review slash discussion of Godzilla versus King Kong. So if you guys haven't known and if you haven't known, you've been living under a goddamn rock or just staying in your house with no Internet during this pandemic. Uh, Godzilla versus King Kong is another iteration in the Monsterverse uh, universe. Well, the Monsterverse film line for uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, a lot of hype was surrounding this film where we saw the 2014 version of Godzilla and that became pretty big. And then we saw Kong versus Skull Island, which then had an end credit scene of basically saying, yeah, Godzilla and King Kong are essentially uh, going to fight soon. And Warner Brothers had announced that there was going to be a big movie. Uh, there was a lot of delays. There were a lot of uh, situations that needed to be uh, made out. Then there was uh, the second Godzilla movie, uh, Gods and Monsters, I believe. And I would it was, say... Uh, it was... It, it was Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and it had yeah. King Ghidorah, Rodan, and uh, Mothra in it. There you go. And that was a... That movie... I guess you say that movie garnered a lot of hype because of those monsters. And the reviews that came out for it say, like, the monsters are great. The action was awesome, but humans were awful. And uh, now we got into this film, uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong, where we're finally getting to see the most hyped-up matchup in recent memory, the last time these guys fought was in 1962 uh, in their own film, which uh, if I had enough time to get the clips out and everything, we could just start laughing about it. But uh, now we got a fully CGI uh, animated uh, film with some humans in the mix. And this actually got some pretty good reviews. A little quick side note on it, though. This movie did get review bombed by people who... Uh, we're protesting against Warner Brothers to release uh, the Snyderverse, which, you know, if you've watched my review of Justice League Snyder Cut, you know, now fans are clamoring for Zack Snyder's full vision and his whole movie line and for Warner Brothers to release that. So it did get review bombed, but so far it's had some pretty good reviews. The first time I saw it, it had like a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. It may have went down to 69. I could be wrong. 
<laughs> Correct me if I am wrong about that. But uh, it's gotten pretty good. A lot of people have said that the action is great. A lot of people have said that uh, the matchup was very much a little bit surprising. Some things weren't. There were some twists and turns that people had knew, had theorized. And I will tell you that right now, um, I very much enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the film and everything I had to bring in. There are some things that I uh, that I necessarily didn't like uh, as much, which is kind of similar to all the other uh, MonsterVerse films that we've seen in recent mem- memory. And uh, yeah, man, I had a good time with this watching this on HBO Max in my room, man. But what what? Let me go ahead and get you a, get your quick review of this film because I really want to know how you feel about this. Oh, quick. Um, so this movie got announced in 2015 after the success of the 2014 Godzilla and when they announced it I was like I cannot believe this is about to happen with modern technology I was so excited that day when they, when they said that you know eventually going to have this film and so it took us from Skull Island, then we had Kingdom Monsters, and finally we get to this point. And I actually saw this movie two, three weeks ago because I was because I was pressed. So I saw it on my laptop like two two weeks ago, two weeks ago on my laptop. And oh man, I'm so excited to say that I that I liked it. I'm really, really glad. I liked it as much as I did because again, call me off a king of the monsters. Warner brothers can go one of two ways. They could either overreact or they could, you know, say, you know what? No, we're going to stay the course. And, and when Adam Winger was announced as a director, I thought that was a very interesting choice as well. Cause I'm like, hmm. cause I mean, he's had some ups with the guest and um, you're next, but then you've, you, some of his movies like Death Note and the and the the Blair Witch movie that came out recently, they haven't been gotten the best reviews. So him being put in that chair was an interesting choice, but it was it was a good choice. It was a good choice. Because from scene one, he already he establishes what kind of tone we're gonna get, what kind of fun we're gonna have, and he just basically prepares us for the ride and it's a really entertaining, really focused, mostly focused, but in a really good movie, man. It is a good, good movie. I'm really happy that it turned out like this. And I saw it a second time this past Saturday on the IMAX screen, so I could really get that theater experience. And it was the audio is insane. Just the the monster roars, the score, just the whole sound design in general is it's really, really powerful on that IMAX in that IMAX theater. And yeah, man, I'm really glad it's good. And I'm really glad I enjoy it because it was supposed to come out last year, obviously, but COVID pushed it back to this year. But I'm really glad I wasn't disappointed. I'm really glad I enjoyed it. Sorry about that. Yeah, I was really glad, too, that the movie came out pretty well. I mean, Adam Wingard, like you said, he's had some pretty good movies. And then uh, the two movies that really had me worried of him directing this film, uh, you know, specifically Death Note and uh, the Blair Witch remake that I was just like, nah, he can't be doing this. But uh, I felt like with something like this, of that this big of a budget and something of just a crazy idea of Godzilla versus King Kong, uh, I, I put a little bit of faith in him. And then when I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, we, we can see, I, I can definitely see this being a pretty good film. Uh, they didn't go overly dramatic where, you know, in like certain superhero films or like summer blockbusters where they put like this classical, like heavy dramatic film, like music in the trailer. They were kind of just like, here we go. <laughs> and then they just put something that was really cool and invigorating. Uh, it kind of made me sad that we're, like it reminded me how sad I am that we're in a pandemic because we can't see some of these films in the theater with other people and get that full theater experience because you know stuff like Avengers Endgame, or, you know superhero films, movies that people are really anticipated about, 
you know, we get that full experience and it's cool. And this one we never got to, uh, but I'll still go see an IMAX later down the road when I have the time. But uh, if there is one thing I can say I really liked was the fight scenes. Uh, you know, we definitely, I, I was keeping score. Godzilla definitely won that freaking fight. Uh, not King Kong to the freaking ground and just caught him off guard, man. I mean, King Kong, I will say this, Kong, he he was definitely caught off guard because he has never fought Godzilla, like someone like Godzilla before. And I would think, oh, no, <laughs> wait, did I lose him? Kennedy. Kennedy. No, no, he didn't. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you went dark for a minute. I, uh, I was like, I'm Kennedy. <laughs> I heard you, but, but no. No, no, and I, I was listening. Just um, like I said, my my internet right now is absolutely atrocious. But no, I, I agree with you. And and the one the, the one thing I'll say is, um, I as it as far as the fight scenes go, Wing Wing Winger and and um Ben Sir Ben Saracen, I believe his name is for the. Uh, cinematography they really choreographed these fights really well i mean they they were they were epic in, in scale they were really clean looking the special effects look great uh you can see everything nothing was muddled or nothing was unclear they were they were crisp the yeah the the fight scenes were were great the 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 first, the first fight is my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Just that hit. I mean, Godzilla's whole approach when he, when him and Kong have that standoff on the aircraft carrier, when they show that in the trailer, I was just like, "That's insane!" And I cannot believe that is an actual, um, that is an actual image. Yeah. And again, in IMAX, that swing was special. That swing was special. It was just like, here we go. And it just knocked the fuck out of him. That 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 swing was special. The whole f- every fight scene was great. And they 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 did a really, really good job with that. And yeah, it it did it, it did. Winger completed his task. Perfectly. He said, y'all want big monster fights? Look, we got them. And we are not going to disappoint you with what we got. And he didn't. And and the fact that he his next big movie that's going to be coming up uh, is like a Thundercats, you know, animated film. I think it's like a 3D animated film. But uh, he's got Thundercats on the way. And people are going to be or people are going to be very excited after hearing that announcement. But uh, let me ask you this, man. Uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of just the humans, did you feel like the humans were still kind of like boring, like in the last couple of films, or do you have like a different opinion on that? I don't think the humans were a problem in this movie. I, I really, the only movie where the humans uh, sort of interrupted the flow of the movie was Kingdom Monsters. Mm-hmm. That that was it. And the 2014 Godzilla and Skull Island and this one, I feel like the humans support the monsters really well. Um, particularly in this one, there were three great casting choices in this one. Like, oh wait, may have lost them. Hold on, said there were great casting choices. And that the humans were not that bad. Yeah, this is yep. And Bernie is this lovable yet eccentric guy, but Henry really makes him a a really fun and likable character. Another one is Demian Bashir, uh, who plays Walter Simmons, who's the CEO of Apex. Uh Bashir is a really good actor. He's been in Hateful Eight. 
he actually got nominated for Oscar a few years ago. Um, he was in the last Alien movie, uh, Alien Covenant, which is which I think is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Damien Bashir is, is is a really good actor, and he plays Walter with the right mix of arrogance and stature without making him goofy or corny. Because Walter as a character, if played wrong, could be very, very goofy and he could, you know, turn everybody away. But I really feel like Bashir was really good as this arrogant CEO that felt like he was doing the best for humanity. And his his role just extends upon a quote that Ken Watanabe said in the 2014 Godzilla, his character, Dr. Serizawa. And this is probably the most famous quote in that movie where he goes, the arrogance of man of thinking nature is in their control and not the other way around. So that theme carries from 2014 to now, where again, Walter thinks that he's in control of the situation. He thinks he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just the culmination of the warning that Dr. Sarazawa. Hey, what's up? I think yeah, we got connected. Well, we got disconnected. Oh, uh, that was part. me. That was me. Yeah, it, like I said, my my internet is absolutely awful. No, and I'm using the hotspot on my phone now. No, it's okay. You all but, good. You all, you definitely all good. But no, I, I was just gonna respond, and I'll kind of just get back into this. I was just gonna respond by saying, yeah, like. After really thinking about what you said by having this these movies connected through like these kind of like, you know, underlying tones and just bringing back what some characters have said and actually putting them into play uh, in this film. I actually feel like that makes it stand out more than I really I thought it would be before I watched this film. And, you know, looking back, it's just like, yeah, like watching it. I would watch this a second time just to kind of catch those little things you were talking about. Um because I'll, I'll be honest with you, this wasn't a film that I wasn't going to take too seriously in terms of a franchise because I haven't known about the franchise as much uh, as franch- as others like Marvel and DC. So by kind of watching this film and rewatching all the other films with Godzilla, Kong Skull Island and uh, King of Monsters, I feel like, yeah, like <laughs> I felt a little bit more invested, honestly. And that's that's a really good thing. And the the 2014 one is my it's still my favorite of the of the series. Um, it's actually one of my favorite movies. Period. Um, I, it's just certain filmmaking choices that Gareth Edwards, the director, and Seamus McGarvey, the cinematographer, made in that movie to how to portray the monsters from a human perspective. How how do we have action? but film it in a way that is realistic to our, our eye and our point of view. I, I really feel like what they did and, and the tone and how the human story is incorporated with the monsters. I really feel like that's the best, that's the best one in the franchise mm-hmm. because I mean, he even says, he even says in one of the interviews, the onset interviews, like, like this isn't going to be some silly, cheesy movie. This is going to be a, a serious epic blockbuster and he films it that way and it, it sort of sticks sticks to me more um obviously uh what adam winger does with this one he establishes the fun tone from the get-go like he he sets the bar from scene one that this is going to be a light fun movie but it's going to have all the monster fights that you love and um but Still having those threads from the first one, I feel like are realized in full form in this one. You know, whether it's Sarazawa's quote or, um, yeah, just just some of those things that he was talking about in that first one, it, they sort of come to life. His son, uh, the son of Doctor Sarazawa, is actually in this movie. Mm-hmm. His name is Ren, and. Although although they don't do much with that with his character, uh, I, I would like to see more of that. But the fact that the the threads of the franchise are still present in this 
is something I uh, I feel like are essential, and it it really pays off because as a universe, this is one of the this is one of the cinematic universes that didn't try to accelerate itself. Like it it took its time. It 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 made calculated moves because this was the end game. At least for this phase, this was the end game. Now you've seen others other attempted universes like what Universal tried to do with the mummy with Tom Cruise. That was gonna be a universe with yeah creature in the black lagoon and the invisible the invisible man. They tried that. That that didn't get off the ground after Mummy. And we all know about what happened with one of us in DC, how how they fumbled that and how the reaction of Dawn of Justice really really sabotaged Justice League and Justice League had its own set of issues yeah filming mm-hmm. but the monster the monster verse is one of is one of the one of the universes that said no we're gonna wait and we, we know we know what we're gonna do and they, they executed it and that's how we got to this point that's how we got to this point of you have guys that are versus calm you know what you're getting we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything that that will uh, sort of throw your expectations off guard. What you see is exactly what you get. What you get in the what you see in the trailer is exactly what you get in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's really important with this because putting it in the COVID nineteen context, you know, a lot of people still either cannot go to the theaters or won't because of you know safety reasons, obviously, and. Uh, this is actually the first movie I've seen in theaters since Tenet. And man, man, it's, it's good to be in a movie theater watching this kind of movie because I mean, this is, this is built for the big screen. This is built for, so I saw this is a roller coaster ride. This is something that you are meant to just sit back and enjoy and, you know, appreciate that we we get to see these two characters um, on the screen. And again, you know, the only other movie we got was the 1963 one, and you know, those were guys in suits, and they just did what the tech or the human ingenuity allowed at the time. But now we're at we're at this stage where we can we can fully see these these two titans in full glory, just throwing each other around on land and sea. And um, I'm really glad. Like I said, again, I'm really glad it turned out the way it did. Now, obviously, some some things were... You, you can tell some things were cut mm-hmm. from this movie. I mean, there were, there were character details, there were characters, there were plot points that uh, were shaved off so that we we could just get to that first fight. Because I do feel like the first 35 to 40 minutes are rushed slightly because there were some of the more interesting narrative points like Hollow Earth or characters like Sarazawa's son or some of the Monarch crew. They feel like they're cut a, a little bit because... They're just trying to get to that first fight. It's it's sort of like the thing what happened with Interstellar. How the first the first act of Interstellar, it just seemed like no one was just trying to get to the space sequence so, so they could just start their journey and the Earth stuff. While not bad, wasn't as interesting. And I feel like the same thing happens here to where we just want to get to that first fight where guys that are pulls up to the naval craft, the naval armada, and they get that first fight. Now we get we get our we get our just points of okay who the characters are what their motivation is what are they here for all right let's get to the monsters <laughs> and I think that and was the again yeah. but again that that was the point that that was that you, 
you can see you can see it without them, without Wingard or the screenwriters telling you it. Like we are trying to get to the monsters. We're, we're just gonna set up these characters real quick, so you know what the role is, you know what their intentions are. All right, let's get to the monster fighting. And the monster fighting don't disappoint. Doesn't does not disappoint. And I didn't think it was gonna disappoint because I don't know if you knew this. It took a long time for a trailer to come out. It did. No, that that's something that's the been tra- going on with movies. Like a lot of trailers have been coming out very late for these films, and this isn't the only one. Like Mortal Kombat is another film that got a trailer very, very late. Like this movie is supposed to come out in May, and first it got pushed up to March, to March, mm-hmm. and then the trailer came out in January. For about a for about two years, I had no idea what this movie was going to look like. All I had was set photos and you know, inter- little pieces of interviews. But when the, when the trailer finally came out, I was just like, okay, I know what I'm getting. Yeah, man. I mean, with the tra- that that was something that I thought was was cool. But at the same time, it did sacrifice some things that I think could have made the movie a little bit better. Uh, just they get to the point of the fighting. And I mean, like a lot of people have said, yeah, just get to the point. Just start fighting. I just want to see these creatures just go at it. But I think that just I think with getting to the point and just going straight forward to the fight, there are some things that, you know, you could have went ahead and added it in detail. But again, you want to give the people what they want. They didn't come here to listen to people or to listen to people talk about uh, the hollow world and hypotheses and well hypothesize a bunch of stuff or get to know or get to know every character. I mean, at this point in time, everyone's here to see Godzilla, Godzilla and King Kong whoop each other's asses. And that was something where it's just like, that's real cool. But there's also some things that they do, you know, sacrifice for that. Um, if there was anything else, I would say that I felt like the movie could have been a little better on or something that I was a little, I can critique was the whole Mecha Godzilla route where they say like, it's the brain of like Ghidorah. If I'm not wrong. So the the head, the one of the heads of Ghidorah gets ripped off by Godzilla and King of Monsters. Yeah. And the human, the human villain of that movie gets his hands on it Mm -hmm. and you can connect the dots. He get he gives the, he gives the head, to apex they use its neurological power and some other energy sources to power up mechagodzilla yeah and once again mechagodzilla is the well first of all um and like like sarah's i was said in the first movie humanity is going to just make things worse for themselves. None of this happens if Walter does not create Mechagodzilla. Mm-hmm. None of this happens. But a theme that is carried on from day one, humans trying to help themselves will always make things worse. It will always happen. Mm-hmm. That, that, message is, that message is clear throughout the entire thing. So Mechagodzilla is... The ultimate way of humanity creating its own destruction. Because what does Mechagodzilla do as soon as he breaks out? He starts killing. He starts killing. Not only does he start beating Godzilla, he starts killing everything moving. And again, this does not happen if Walter Simmons does not go, you know what? I think we need a chance against the Titans, which could, which is not a bad thought, but again, the arrogance of man, like Sir always said, if he's trying to control nature and you can't, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't, you can't do it. You can't do it. And it's see, it's, it's these dramatic things that, I, I'm seeing people are not picking up in this movie because I'm seeing a lot of these industry critics calling it either dumb or stupid in good and bad reviews. And 
for some reason, the description self-aware is escaping everybody. And I don't understand why. Because when you're, the, the, the setup for this movie is very quick. Very quick. And we're just like, we know what you're here for. We're not going to deny you. We're just going to get to it. Calling that stupid or dumb is not, I don't think, the correct verbiage for it. Now, calling it self-aware, I think would be. But again, I've watched this, I've watched this movie a bunch of times. I don't really see where it's quote-unquote stupid. Maybe you have to just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your belief has to be uh, altered, or I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't think of the, think of the phrasing. But suspend your belief. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you, you, have, to, you have to suspend your belief. Turn your turn your brain out. To, uh, turn your brain off at doing, the door. Doing some of these sequences, like especially like the Hollow Earth, Hollow Earth, mm-hmm. uh, the Hollow Earth stuff, and this is why I say an extra ten to twelve minutes could have helped. As a ten or twelve minutes to help the story just balance itself out, but it was serviceable for what it was. But a lot of people aren't using the description self-aware, which I believe this movie is, because Wingard, as a director, is self-aware. He knows what you want. They're like he's not, he's not here to play tricks on you. What he gives you is what he promised. And he said this years ago. He said there is always going there was always going to be a definitive winner mm-hmm. he said there was there, there's going to be no duping there's going to be no no tricking there is going to be a winner and he gave you a winner it was clearly three rounds godzilla won two out of three mm-hmm. and that's it he, he he delivered on his mission statement and you can't tell him otherwise and I, I appreciate about that because he knows like that. Like, and again, this could have been a, a dawn of justice situation where you had the fight, but then you have this bigger foe, which it kind of is. But I think it is executed better than dawn of justice because well, you clear you, you get the fight, you get the fight, you get the winner, and when you get the big bad, it's not like they're frenzy. It's not like Godzilla and Kong friends at the end. Because they're about to fight again, but both of them are like, you know what? You got it. You got <laughs> it. Mind you, Godzilla nearly kills Kong. Mm-hmm. I mean, nearly kills him. I mean, the guy had him laid out and was scratching him on his chest and it just started laughing at him and just walked away. I mean, nearly kills him. And he's not even... And when, when he was hesitated. And Gia was trying to tell him, look, he's not the enemy. He was, he was like, yes, he is. Just the roar he gave out when she told him that. He was like, no, no, Mechagodzilla is the enemy. Mm-hmm. But when the when the when the fight is done, they're not friends. They're not. You, they're at a standoff, and then they both go, you know what? You got it. And then, and then and Godzilla just walked away. Because Godzilla doesn't have anything to prove. He, he beat him. He doesn't. Separated his shoulders, scratched him, put his foot on his chest. There's, there's nothing for him else to prove. Nothing. So he clearly wins. And when the big bag comes in, and the, and the other thing about Mechagodzilla it, and comparing him to Doomsday and Donald Justice is this. Doomsday, as we know, is the only being that kills Superman mm-hmm. in the comics. And what does he do in Donald Justice? He kills Superman. If that's all he's in there for, then that's then that's a little bit crazy. If it's incorporated, if it's incorporated right in the plot, which it's it it sort of feels like a, a, a throwaway plot because. I remember I saw the trailer when Doomsday, because they spoiled the trailer. They showed Doomsday towards the end. I was just like, Doomsday is in this shit. I was like, all right. But how they incorporate Doomsday, I didn't, I didn't put, I didn't yeah. particularly no. appreciate. No, yeah. But I, how, I, but I, how I, they incorporate, yeah. How I, how they incorporate Mechagodzilla for some reason, I liked it better in this. 
because it's like, okay, it's like, okay, obviously humanity will create him just because out of their fear for the Titans. And like I said before, it it is Sarah's hours. Sarah's hours warning isn't heard and his fear is confirmed by the creation of Mecha Godzilla in this mm-hmm. movie. So it's a full circle thing that carries through the saga versus Doomsday just being in there, kill Superman, he dies, and then we don't see him again. Like, like we know, like we know why Mecha Godzilla is in there, but how they incorporate him in this one, I I enjoyed. Um, I, like- I really do. Yeah, felt like it was a little better than uh, what they could have done. Felt like they they went on a pretty good route. Uh, using that comparison of Batman v Superman, yeah, it was like with Doomsday. Uh, I did not like the inclusion of him. I did not like how they wanted to get on. I don't know if you noticed, but for that film, they were actually trying to put... Zack Snyder had the idea of putting Metallo as the big villain in that film. And Superman wasn't even supposed to die. Superman was supposed to you know, defeat Metallo or kind of get injured. And then we're going to have Superman two. And then we were going to have this big sequence going on with that. So Warner brothers wanted doomsday to add the stakes so they can go fully into justice league because they were trying to catch up to MC to the MCU. So when you have something like that, and then you have another movie like Godzilla versus King Kong, you get very, very scared about how they're going to just, you know, incorporate something that yes, it's fan service, but at the same time, it, it's not anything that we can go really crazy about. So, I mean, that's just something that we get. I, I had to be real about. But how they put Mechagodzilla in, I was like, cool. But there is that one part where they kind of get into the science of everything. And I was just like, yeah, okay. But again, like you said, this, you know, this movie is self-aware of what it is. And you can't really say something like, oh, this is stupid. It's, it's not educated. No, it's supposed to be a fun Really cool movie that you check yourself at the door and you just be like, all right, I'm here. Because on that point, too, Gareth Edwards, he was very fortunate to create that 2014 film because the 2014 Godzilla in that time, in that year, was sort of the reverse of what you do with a Godzilla movie. So... I, I always like to say that the 2014 Godzilla had Jaws DNA, had Alien DNA, had Predator DNA, where you're not going to see him all the time. But when you do, it's going to count and it's going to make it all the more memorable. You stick with the characters for large portions of, of all those movies. But when the big creature shows up, his impact and his presence are always in the back of the minds of the characters. When he's off screen, he he, ne- he never leaves. He never leaves the characters. Never leaves the audience. When he's on screen, it makes it that much more memorable. Because mm-hmm. like the whole the whole Hawaiian sequence, the, the whole Hawaii sequence in the twenty fourteen one that is that is one of the best ways of building tension I've seen in a long time. From the time he rises up from the beach and causes the tsunami to when he rises up out the ocean and the flares go off to the time he gets to the airport, like all that building of tension and excitement, you have to be very, very patient to do something like that. Cause because what because what what you would do normally is right, you just you'll show them. And they'll have the big fight and then get a break, right? But no, Gareth Edwards really uh, went against expectation on that. And I think that's why his version will, you know, it sticks sticks in your mind a little bit more because it's old school in in its mentality. It's like, okay, we understand you're here for Godzilla, but... And I'll throw in Jurassic Park as well because Jurassic Park had the first one had the raptor sequence in the in, in the first scene, but you don't see it. You don't see the raptor. You see, you hear it, and then 
you don't see the dinosaurs for a long stretch of time until you get to the island and you see the brachiosaurus. It's the same thing with the 2014 one. You don't see Godzilla in full glory until like an hour in. But when you see him, you appreciate it more versus in the first 10 to 15 minutes, he's all in the screen. So in this one, because you've had two movies already, you can have him show up in the first 10 to 15 minutes because you, you've already, like, you know who he is. You know who he is. You know who he's about. You know he's the king. So let's not, let's not play the waiting game on this. And again, self-awareness is what I appreciate about this movie because Wingard is telling you, we are going to give you what you want. We're not, we're not going to rob you. Trust me. And he, he, uh, and just going back to that, to the, the actual monster fights, some of the camera movement in in the fights is really key as well. Like certain POV shots or certain camera flips uh, that are used in the film, like some like some shots never breaking. Like for example, when when they're, when they're on the aircraft carrier and Godzilla rises out and stomps on the aircraft tailor, the camera turns to Kong swinging. It doesn't, there are not many cuts in that, cuts in that, in that moment. And that's something I, that's something I, I noticed too, was the, 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 the action has some time to breathe and it, it's, it's sweeping and it's epic and it's, uh, it's things like that where it's filmed very, very well and very, very clever because the Hong Kong sequence is nearly 30 minutes of just action, mm-hmm. but it is well-filmed action. It is. It is really good well-filmed action. But uh, uh, I wish we could stay here and try to talk a little bit more, but we've gotten past that one hour mark, especially with all the time we lost with the internet stuff. But uh, yeah, man, that's that's a whole lot. And I'm glad I could just sit down and listen to everything you had uh, regarding this film. If you had to get this film a final score, what would it be? So on my medium review, I said a B plus, uh-huh. and I did that review Friday, and I saw it again Saturday, and I think that rating was still stand. Uh, it's a like I said, it is a really, really good film. Um so happy that it's that it turned out good some character and narrative stuff with an extra 10 15 minutes could have been better uh and i and i do think that human characters in monster movies are needed because that human perspective and the human connection gives it some edge otherwise we're just seeing big cj big cgi monsters fighting i'm not sure if every everybody can pull that off mm-hmm. monster fights in spurts works better than monster fights for two straight hours is what is what i'll say on that okay i give the movie around like an eight out of ten i mean i feel like this is something that that has surprised people to be a great film and it's uh something that we can all enjoy and have a great time uh as we continue to get through you know the whole movie calendar year for 2021 and i'll definitely go give it a watch at imax and kind of just see how that is uh but yeah man that should be about it for today's that should be it for tonight's episode of the Midnight Drop. I want to thank my big homie Kennedy London for coming into tonight's episode and giving us his expertise and not only his uh, career and uh, what he does at Morehouse, but also this movie in the MonsterVerse in general. So if anybody want to go ahead and follow you and know what you do, where can they follow you at, Kennedy? Well, my Twitter handle is K. L O N D double zero, and my Instagram is the same thing. And, I, and, and I'm and, and I'm sure you can put that information in the uh, in the post post whenever you post the uh, post episode. I mean, I, I, I'll share it of course. But my, my Twitter and my IG are the same handle. K L O N D double zero. Yeah, no problem. 
So for anybody who wants to go ahead and know, you can go ahead and follow Kennedy on Twitter, on Instagram. I'll go ahead and put the handles right below in the comment section on all available platforms that you hear podcasts, including on the Instagram and 615 underscore chill. But that is it for tonight's episode of the Midnight Drop. If you're actually just coming from the recent episode that I have posted regarding the review on Concrete Cowboy, go ahead and follow in and be on the lookout for more episodes this week. we got a full stack of shows coming right at you. And if you haven't watched my review on Concrete Cowboy, I sincerely, you know, ask you guys to go ahead and watch that, including stick around for any things that you want to go ahead and check out on but that is it i'm your host jordan malone thanks so much kennedy for coming in tonight's episode and thank you guys for listening we'll see you guys tomorrow for the retro movie review stay safe stay blessed and stay you peace